Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. As always, your host, your co-host, actually, because there is two of us, your co-host, Clark Coffey, that's me, and as always, Colin McFader. What's up, Hello. dude? Well, there's actually three of us. We've got a little sidekick that sits here and doesn't say anything every week, but we're trying to get him out of his shell, you know, so. Uh, well, you that's know. That's Nosferatu I, over there. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> I didn't want to mention that we actually have a third co-host yeah, because yeah. I do know how shy um this this third co-host is so mm-hmm. maybe at some point they will come out of their shell and, and they'll be willing movie. to discuss a film but but for now for now you know it's just the two of us anyway <laughs> <laughs> cullen i was not expecting that uh, <laughs> uh but i'm so excited for episode seven zero i can't believe this is our 70th episode mm-hmm. uh where we are going to be discussing cullen's pick the Old Man and the Gun, yeah. David Lowry's film from 2018, yep. starring Robert Redford, who I, I know is like, you know, maybe he's not necessarily one of your favorites, but I know... Uh, Sun, oh, a big know, fan, uh, yeah. yeah. Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, I know that you love him from that film, which is one that we discussed quite a bit earlier. That was your pick. Mm-hmm. Um, always, uh, Also starring uh, Casey Affleck, Danny Glover, um, Tika Sumter, Tom Waits. I was surprised mm-hmm. to see actually with like the platinum white or dyed yes. hair. Or, well, actually, it's probably just he's old. Actually, it's probably yeah. just yeah. his real hair color. I'm saying Come dyed. A lot of way, uh, a long it's, way from Martha. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the absolutely fantastic and and just really wonder wonderful to watch. Uh, Sissy Spacek. Yeah. Uh, star mm-hmm. in the film. Hey, excuse me. Need some help? No, I'm good. Let me take a look. You know anything about cars? Uh, no, not really. So, uh, what did you say you do? Well, that's a secret. And why is that? Well, because if I told you, you probably wouldn't want to see me again. Who said I was going to see you again? Would you? Well, let's take this place. Say it was a bank, and instead of that counter up there, that was really a teller's window, and you just walk in real calm, so you walk right up, Look her in the eye, and you say, ma'am, this is a robbery. And you show her the gun, like this. And you say, I wouldn't want you to get hurt, because I like you. I like you a lot. So don't go breaking my heart now, okay? (sighs) You're not serious. Uh, Excuse me, I'd like to open up an account. Well, great. What type of account do you have in mind? This kind. This kind. You said he was armed. He had a gun. You saw it. Well, he was also sort of a gentleman. He was very polite. He seemed like a nice enough fella. Look at that. Is he smiling? Five states. 93 robberies. In two years. You think you can catch him? Yeah, I won't lie. I'd love to slap the cuffs on him myself. Let's hope I get the chance. Try another city, baby. Another town. He spent his whole life locked up, except for the times that he broke out. Somebody should have told him to quit while he was in. Well, you find something you love. I'm not exactly where I'm supposed to be. You're never exactly where you're supposed to be, are you? Now, whenever I close the door, I think, is this the last time I'll ever have a chance to do whatever that thing was? You know what I do when the door closes? I jump out the window. <laughs> Living is a gamble, baby. Loving's much the same. 
Wherever I sat down with him once and I said, surely there's an easier way to make a living. And he looked at me and he said, I'm not talking about making a living. I'm just talking about living. Your pick, so you lead off. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really curious to hear about how you, you know, and I'm interested too because you know, as a as a young kid, you know, you're still I still call you kid, right? You're kind of a kid. Um, mm-hmm. I'm almost like surprised, you know. Uh, I shouldn't be because you've picked some like really some films that I wouldn't imagine a younger person might be drawn to. Uh, but I was kind of surprised that you were drawn to this film. It's it's everybody at stars is old which mm-hmm. we don't yeah. see much of uh, anymore, which I think is sad, or not anymore, maybe ever. You know, uh, Films tend to skew young. It's nice to see some older people on camera, as I myself am Some every men, yeah. So and it's every nice women. to kind of... I mean, yeah, of course, Robert Redford, even at, you know, he had to have been, what, uh, about 80 when he mm-hmm. shot this? 81 yeah. or so when it was released? I mean, of course, he still looks handsome as ever, so, you know, even at... 80 he's looking better than me but yeah. i digress <laughs> so i'm kind of surprised you picked it so <laughs> i let's let i'm kind of curious to hear your story about what drew, drew you to the film and why you picked it and everything yeah no i so i um i've only seen i think one of other david lowry's other movies i've seen ghost story okay um, i've seen none I by the think, way yeah. i believe i saw that before this if i can remember correctly so but this has always been a really interesting movie to me because i remember so i saw the trailer before it came out Okay. Um, and remember thinking that it really lined up with like my sensibilities and what I liked, Ooh. especially at that time I was actually writing, um, like my first feature that I ever wrote that I didn't wind up making, but I, I wrote, um, is very similar in tone and style to this. Um, you know, I wanted to shoot it on 16 millimeter in, in a two thirty five aspect ratio and mm-hmm. have which very similar, is, that yeah. like very seventies vibe which they, right. they do in this movie and we'll get into that in, in detail yeah, yeah um but i also i so i remember hearing that it was coming to tiff that year the toronto international film festival and mm-hmm. um i bought a ticket for the premiere there um, okay and so i i got to see it at the premiere with the cast and David oh, what a Lowry great way and, yeah what a great um, way to watch yeah, it. And yeah. It, was, it was really neat i mean i i remember watching it and danny glover's on screen and i was looking at the back of his head because he was a few rows in front of me and it was kind of a weird mind-boggling thing but but no it was, it was um it was great it was really uh like i really liked it and yeah. i always found it interesting because it, it the movie wasn't a flop it was critically you know did pretty well critics liked right. it and things like that but it also sort of flew under the radar yeah very um, small film and i think i can i think i know kind of the reasons for that um which we'll get into and we'll try to i think kind of unpack those but um yeah. but no i i think that it was just a really like, I don't know, I watch this movie and it just kind of puts a smile on my face and it's not, there's nothing too, like the, the darks aren't really too dark and it's yeah. quite, it's quite fun. There's a lot of like fun montages. Yeah, pretty um, light. I like the filmmaking. I love Robert Redford's performance and Sissy Spacek is, as always is fantastic and, and charming yeah. and lovely. Yeah. And um, okay. yeah, like it just kind of feels to me like a very, like it probably was a pretty fun thing to work on. Like it seems like everyone's really enjoying their time on the movie, and and um, I it's like very the relaxed. writing. I like it's yeah, la- it's, it's, it's relaxed, and it's yeah. kind of, one of those things that you don't like. Casual. You know, we've almost. talked a few about this. Uh, I talked a bit about this before in, in in previous episodes, but where we talk about like, a could this movie be made today, and b could mm. it get a theatrical release today? Mm. And I think this is one of those things that's not because it's 
so dramatic or controversial or something like that, but rather because it's really rare to see a movie that is kind of comfortable with not making like a huge statement. You know, like it's not really, I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's not really saying much about like, there's obviously commentary about things, but it's not, it's not trying to make anything bold statements. It's not trying to shock the audience or, or like, it's a very confident film, right? Yeah. I mean, it's very confident. It's, it's very meticulously and, and like steadfastly paced in the sense. Quite restrained and it's, it's and it's like in its runtime, it's only about an hour and a half. Yeah, it's it's not hyperbolic. It's not uh, melodramatic. It's not saccharine. It's not big. Yeah, it's it's I think subtle, mm-hmm. uh, mostly. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, and I've, I I've so I've watched too. it. Yeah. Uh, I've watched it. I think this was my third time watching it. Um, okay. And um, I always just yeah, like the, my one complaint about the movie is always just that I wish it was longer, and, and I think that's probably a good <laughs> thing to say about a movie. Sure. Um, you I want wish more. I could spend more time with these characters and and the, the style of it, and it's just I think there's a there's also like a the movie is quite melancholic in ways, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I find that I kind of get melancholic watching it because it's almost like a swan. Mm. Not only is it kind of Robert Redford's swan song as he retired after making this from acting, um, but it's also kind of like a a little bit of a swan song to like a bygone era of filmmaking you know like mm. i can't imagine a movie like this really you know getting made ever again like it almost seems like it's just kind of like hmm. saying goodbye to this this really 70s warm yeah pleasant feeling of, of, well, of film well it's and... interesting yeah i mean i i think that's it's interesting. Uh, I mean, so it sounds like that that when you watched it, it, it spoke very much to like a sensibility and even an era of filmmaking that you appreciate, and I, and, mm-hmm. and I do too. Um, the the late mid to late sixties and seventies American films, or you know, it's not to not to say, of course, that there weren't many others, but I mean, this is specifically kind of speaking to American cinema in the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies as kind of right, and that's where Robert Redford kind of lived. Um, and and yeah, I would agree. I mean, it, it immediately there are some stylistic choices that bring us to that place very quickly. You know, the stock that it was shot on, the way that it's lit and graded, um, the way the camera moves or doesn't move and zooms actually instead of uh, moving. Uh, and of course, Robert Redford as an icon, not just an actor, but as an icon, brings so much baggage. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but brings so much baggage to this film that you know, and I, and we, you and I had briefly talked about it before we started discussing it um, after we hit record. And I was kind of curious. I was like, I wonder, was this made for him? So I didn't, I wasn't aware of this film before I watched it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know a, a ton of the background on it. And so I was kind of trying to fish around for like, well, well, obviously I can see that this was kind of based on, in part, a, a, a real life story. There was really this person who um, a book was written about him and, you know, he was a bank robber and he he kind of, you know, there's a little bit of like underlying truth to this, but it feels so much that it was written so specifically for Redford. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much it was tailored, you know, after the fact or how much, you know, his in, he had influence on the way it was shot and uh, and and everything. But it really feels like, wow, yeah, this could be I, I a, believe... just a metaphor for him and his career in film you know it's exactly yeah like i believe um if i can remember correctly from the q a at the end of the screening at tiff Mm -hmm. um 
the movie was written for Robert Redford, and it was kind of one of those situations where it's like, had he said no, they wouldn't have gone ah, ahead with it, and it was right. it was kind of almost dedicated to him in that sense. But he wasn't sure. involved. I believe he wasn't involved in the uh, in the the, the actual development development of it. Um, gotcha. But yeah, it's almost like they're kind of taking this story of this this kind of bizarrely pleasant bank robber and using that <laughs> as a vehicle to to yeah set robert redford's career as like a nice bow on the kind of a bookend of of it you know and yeah i i mean you know before we dive in too much too i'll just share a little bit of my kind of personal response Mm -hmm. to the film too is we already starting to have a lot of little past that we can dive down and and break it and and get into about the film but so i i I actually i don't recall at least ever having heard of this before doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. i didn't but now at my age my memory i can't trust it (laughs) so i like i don't remember having heard about this film before. Um, again, like I, I definitely like Redford, you know, when I see him on stage, it's clear he's charismatic. Um, and every time I watch, most times I watch him, I end up enjoying his performances, but for some reason, and maybe I need to rectify this. I just haven't actively gone out and, and sought to go through his filmography for some reason, like I Mm -hmm. have so many other performers uh, you and I were just chatting. I was like, you know, I've always kind of seen myself more as a Newman guy as opposed to a Redford guy, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know why that is really exactly. Um, and I, I think maybe after having watched this film, I'm going to go back and try to plug in those holes where I've missed a lot of his filmography and kind of see what I think. But, um, you know, so I hadn't I didn't have I didn't come into this with any preconceived notions or expectations of what this I didn't know what it was about. I, I just put it on. And uh, was 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 immediately struck by a few things. I mean, the the pacing of the film uh, was one of the most immediate things. The mm-hmm. visually sixteen millimeter. Um, I saw it on a four K digital um, print um, on Apple TV or whatever iTunes or whatever the hell that is now, mm-hmm. and and it looked beautiful. And immediately I was like, holy crap. I, I actually paused for a quick second and I looked up what the tech specs on the film because it was so clearly film, mm-hmm. but it was like really, really clearly film. And so I was like, what in the world was a shot on? Well, exactly. <laughs> like, like if you want to do a, like a film look these days, you almost have yeah. to shoot 16 because 35 and so I, Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. It was shot 16 because I was just like, wow. You know? Yeah. And, and of course the way it's graded uh, and the way it's lit, and um it just really was like wow and then i noticed immediately because i because i love zooms and they are Mm -hmm. so almost taboo today that i immediately see this beautiful zoom work that we've got going on throughout the entire film i mean it's just all over the place and i frankly love it i think it looks great here Mm -hmm. um so that really jumped out to me the look immediately you know the film takes place primarily in 1981 it it almost looks like though they're shooting this in a way that would have been shot in 71. Yeah. Honestly. Um, I, uh, it looks absolutely beautiful. Uh, performances are, you know, like across the board stellar. I mean, you know, this conversation that, um, Redford has with SpaceX character in the diner when they first Mm. meet, when he, Mm -hmm. we have the scene where he robs a bank in the beginning and immediately we see the tone, right? It's, the antithesis of most bank robber heist, you know, uh, scenes in a movie. It's, it's like certainly so not heat. Back. <laughs> yeah, it's not heat, right? Um, but this film definitely shares some of that template with heat, you know, with mm-hmm. a fleck kind of being Pacino 
And with Redford being De Niro, we definitely have that template there, though, mm-hmm. that, the, that the cat and the mouse kind of need each other in the chase. And they actually even speak to it uh, like very explicitly yeah. when a yeah. Fleck's daughter or a Fleck's character's daughter actually explicitly states this, observes it and states it mm-hmm. um, to him that, that he kind of needs the chase. Um, but you've got like immediately we set the tone, and I think you'd you'd you know you'd said that it, it's lighthearted. We don't ever get a sense that like anybody's ever in danger. He's clearly not out to hurt anyone. He's this gentleman bank robber. He's mm-hmm. like concerned about the cashier's safety. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and when she starts crying, and he's like, "You're doing a and great job." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so you know we see this right away, but we also see he's very very competent. Um, we get this, this, the introduction of this ticking clock motif that runs throughout at, which I think is kind of interesting. It's not just that the time is short for the, for the bank robbery that he's engaged in at the time, but also in any kind of several times throughout the film, we speak to this, that his time short, he's obviously old, he's in the twilight of his life. Mm-hmm. And so we have this interesting kind of existential, examination of this and you know we drugstore cowboy the film that we covered last time i think there's a lot of similar themes in these films. definitely yeah and that We've was totally got... unintentional on my part but i yeah watching i, I this thought again, i realized yeah i thought it was intentional i thought you were like okay i i, I was in my mind i was like oh, i know cullen loves redford and mm-hmm. here's his answer to drugstore cowboy he's yeah you know, i had completely <laughs> i just i was totally out of out of left field it was kind of strange that i as i was watching it i was like oh this isn't that funny very but, similar yeah but I, I want to talk about in a second uh sorry i'm a little long-winded here on my kind of you know initial no, impressions no, no, no. but i want to talk about that because i think this <clears throat> this this theme dare i almost say trope of you know this criminal anti-hero that mm-hmm. is, is lives a life of crime but is actually kind of like a good dude you know, I, I this is an interesting uh, trope that I want to kind of go into a little bit later. But but yeah, so these things jump out at me. I'm And this this beautiful like I was going to lead up to, you know, so he robs the bank and he's he's escaping the bank and he his cops are on his tail, sort of kind of. And he he drives by this woman who's broken down in her old, beautiful Ford truck. I think it's a Ford truck. Now that I've mm-hmm. said that, geez, I'm probably wrong. It's probably a GMC. But anywho pulls over and and um and helps this woman who happens to be uh sissy spacek and they go to a diner and they just have this really wonderful conversation and you just don't see a lot of writing like this Mm -hmm. there's it's it's all beautiful subtext and nuance and it's so fun for me you know to see two older characters in this meet cute basically Mm -hmm. it's what Mm -hmm. it is is a meet cute and I just thought it was like really beautiful, um, and and the performances just sustained that beauty. I think throughout the entire film, um, there's there's nuance, there's there's like a, a gravitas and kind of an introspection to it uh, that was really appealing to me. So yeah, well, I mean, I I just I also want to touch on like they're obviously the very overt. I mean, the font on the poster is the Butch Cassidy yeah. font. It's hobo. Okay, SD. immediately like the yellow. Um, yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, opening 
picture of the film is or title is the title you know, card this this film there what follows is mostly also true like it's very much referencing the fact yes. that at the beginning of butch cassidy it says this, yeah. what follows is mostly true mostly yes. um i love and, that and actually i one thing that i actually really really admire about about lowry's decisions in this uh this movie is that it would be so easy to fall into a like wink wink nudge nudge, nudge tongue and cheek yeah. you know every line is a reference to right Cassidy or robert redford's career or whatever and and you know there's very obvious visual cues of, of they whatever do a holograph they don't do newman, it right uh, like they, they cgi newman yeah, at, yeah like, like one cameo. of his bank robberies is yeah. him and newman or something yeah um but they they don't um they really don't like i mean the closest you get to an overt reference to to other than like the font choice um is is him riding a horse with with a uh, fedora on but i mean yeah. even then it's not a cowboy and the hat. poncho or but like, like the in, in lowry i i do remember lowry talking about how he was very very specifically aware of that that he didn't yeah. want to just make a movie that was just going to be like a i'm pointing at the screen because i understand the reference like he, he yeah. really tried to hold back on any references like that and sort of have the the tone of something like butch Cassidy, which is also quite a light-hearted film you know it's about these two yeah. bank robbers who are great friends and great guys um but but, but at the same fate, time but their fate is set you know yes. a, their fate is a tragedy but the yeah. story to it the journey to it is lighthearted. yeah yeah and and so i think that it's i really admire because i think that it's kind of hard to admire a movie like it's kind of hard to put into words or have you know an audience really recognize when a movie doesn't do something that would have been really easy to do like it's much sure. easier to say like i admire this movie for the bold choice that it made here but rather than right. saying you know i admire this movie for a choice it didn't make it didn't um, make, but that's yeah. really it, that's really what i feel here is that like it would have been so so easy to fall into um the trap of just references and 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 like hitting the audience over the head with 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 just you know these throwbacks and things like that and it doesn't do any of that and i really i think that that's one of the reasons that it makes like it really you don't need to know who robert redford is to enjoy this movie but um, it helps if you do yes but it definitely, definitely helps if you do it definitely yeah. helps if you do and and i and i would agree with you i think the film doesn't beat you over the head with these illusions um but they're definitely there you've mm -hmm. mentioned a mm -hmm. couple that were very explicit um and i definitely was conscious of it right and, and to the point where even I kind of was wondering again, because I'm not a scholar of Redford's filmography, where I was even kind of wondering like, okay, okay, what is this potentially in a reference to right now? Or what is that, you know, like what movie are they watching in the theater at the end of the film? You know, mm -hmm. does that have any mm -hmm. bearing or, you know, what film might've this been, you know, if he's on the horse and it's sunset and the, you know, he's got the fedora and the poncho or the pseudo poncho, you know? Um, so I did definitely. And, and of course I noticed the fonts that you mentioned about in the title card, and so I, I was very aware of it. And, and it was obviously like we all, I mean, you can look, you know, it's like, again, Redford is an icon. He's not just an actor. I mean, the guy is one of the most iconic actors in cinema history, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here he is, and, you know, in this film, he's 80 years old. So, and the film is clearly, you know, or could be uh, construed as a, a pretty straight metaphor for, you know, Redford doing his thing robbing banks versus making films doing you know doing the thing that you're good at this again goes back drugstore cowboy right it's like mm -hmm. you're doing the thing you're good at you're doing the thing that you know 
and mm -hmm. then the universe kind of has its challenges in your way as it is for all of us no matter what we're doing and kind of coming to the end of your life coming to the end of your career and kind of facing that you know mm -hmm. and how do we face that how do we face our mortality and how do we face that suffering and challenge in life um so even without you don't have to know those things but boy i think it adds a lot if you do yes yeah it would definitely yeah. um it adds a layer of of context that that i think makes makes the choices much more interesting um yeah. but yeah i mean i i also um i think that the uh, i want to talk a little bit about um like the look of the film too which we've we've touched on so far but it's so but, beautiful um, god it looks like, great like yeah and i think one of the things that i i love about it is and it, you 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 touched on this all earlier um so it's very obviously very grainy it's 16 millimeter it's it's um you know the not distractingly so. the lights exactly but it, it it's just so like that really is to me the one of those things where it's like the proof is in the pudding about film like mm. you watch this and it's just gorgeous even though mm. it is quite grainy and it is quite but it, and yet it's still there's an artistry to it and kind of like a painterly like quality to it mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and even just you know of course every movie is digitally color graded these days unless you're paul thomas anderson who does all this stuff chemically, yeah it, but, it was even edited but, in premiere it was yeah, you know but, they um, scan I think it and, yeah one thing that they did that's really smart and you know you can watch a lot of short films and music videos and and feature films that are shot on on 16 millimeter where the digital tools enable you to push the colors and it's this hyper saturated thing where but film just kind of tends to clip colors less so you can really go much more saturated without it looking kind of garish like it would on mm -hmm. digital and and you can make it warm and colorful and vibrant whereas this movie kind of again doesn't it it holds back it like it goes for a look of that chemical kind of treatment where the color is beautiful there are some really rich, deep colors, but they're not. It's almost washed in some. Yeah, it's not. It's not so like pushed in in a way that you see a lot of sixteen millimeter films. No, these not days. at all. And I think that that's. If I can say one thing about myself that I that I <laughs> I like okay. is right. that you know that I've I I the only reason I can really recognize that is because a lot of times when I'm trying to emulate film. Mm -hmm. I go that route, which is kind of a less popular route to go because it's less overt and it's less well, obvious. Well, just so people know, because I don't know, I can't, you know, maybe we've not discussed it in a while or, you know, I, I can't remember when we were, but I mean, I, you, you put a lot of time and effort into creating your own custom film emulation mm -hmm. um, plugins, basically, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you, I know you spend a lot of time studying different film looks. Um, what makes uh something look filmic and i know that obviously like you shoot digital at least you have up until this point mm -hmm. but i know that you spend a lot of time and energy on that and you spend a lot of time studying that so that yeah and it's definitely i mean it's it's i like the reason i like that sort of thing and i'm interested in is because it's choices like that that it's never a one-size-fits-all thing right like the look yeah. of this movie wouldn't I mean, the look of this movie wouldn't work for Heat, to go back to sure. an earlier comparison we made. Um, right. And yet, I love to see when a director is very clearly thinking about these things, that it's not mm -hmm. just a matter of, like, we're shooting to look either cool or, or like, really good and everything's framed immaculately and perfectly. And, you know, I mean, there's like grit Fincher? to this movie. There's, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And, and, and I think... I don't actually, you know, maybe this is a stretch, but I don't think it is because there's there's quite a 
running thread through it, but Conrad Hall, who did the cinematography for Butch Cassidy, mm-hmm. um, who is my personal favorite cinematographer. That, yeah, yeah, he, that's right. He um, was very, very famous for imperfect images. He never wanted his his images to be down well, to even quote symmetry. Unquote, imperfect. It, yes, yeah. Like uh less formal maybe would be Yeah, not not like that there's anything wrong with them technically. Right. Um but but rather like if you look at a image uh, famous one is American Beauty when the girl's sitting in the bath and it's the shot, there's the windows behind her. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Most directors and cinematographers would frame that perfectly symmetrical where like each side is perfect and the windows are exactly in the same place on each side of the frame and things like that. Whereas Conrad Hall... Or at least Wes Anderson would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even, I mean, Fincher would too, right? And, and I think something, Deacons yeah. likely would too because you see a lot of that in Deacons' work. Yeah. Um, Whereas Conrad Hall was more interested in in like well how did the light how does the light play on each texture mm. in the shot how does the camera move how is the story being told through what we're seeing and things like that where it's less less about technical precision and perfection and much more about uh, well, storytelling. If I may, mm-hmm. I, I may, uh, and, and I want to say too because we've not mentioned his name, but Joe Anderson is the DP on this yes, film. Yeah. And so I just, since we're talking about his work here, obviously in conjunction with the director, but so I want to give him props because uh, obviously as the DP, he, he's he's clearly vital for how the film looks. But yeah. I think, I mean, what you're what you're describing, so we, you know, I don't know how far we want to get too down this technical rabbit hole, but it, it's not so much that it's imperfect. Uh, mm-hmm. Or that it, it, but really, what it's about, I think, is like going beyond the obvious um, pieces of the mise en scène mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. creating balance just on those most obvious pieces, and going beyond that and looking at the more nuanced aspects of the mise en scène and the weight of the light and the weight of the shadow, and you're looking at more, I don't subtle. Is it complex? I don't know. Or maybe it's just looking at alternate ways to balance a frame or or create unbalance on, perfect, on purpose. Yeah, and um, it's almost, but, you're but focusing on kinda, different things in a way, right? I, right. And so I think yeah. it's not so much like, well, this framing's perfect and that framing's not perfect, but I think it's more about using a deeper palette mm-hmm. of what's in the mise-en-scene and choosing to create a frame around more of those elements than just the the lower line fruit or the most obvious elements, right? So um, I, I think it's really wonder. I mean, it's it's a real joy when you see work that's done that way. Um, and it's one of the things. Not that we're talking about Wes Anderson, and, uh, and obviously he doesn't shoot his own films, but it's very clear that he has. I mean, he he dictates very clearly what his uh, what his films look like because mm-hmm. they all look the same. I'm not a fan of the way his films look, at least not since, um, geez, uh, Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. um, because I just think they're, they're just so formal. They're just so, uh, like, sing- like, they're just so framed in a way that's just not exciting to me it doesn't feel yeah, like it's kind of i don't mean to degrade anyone's, anyone's work but i, I no, kind I, of i refer to it almost in a way of like it's what i call like like desktop background cinematography where is it a really <laughs> like nice looking shot it's one of those yeah, shots yeah. that you could use as your phone background or you could use as your desktop because wallpaper, it's not distracting and it's, and it's beautiful yeah and it's like yeah. beautifully composed the light's beautiful and it's not to again to deg- like and i'm not saying that you were doing that but 
not to degrade any of the talents. There's clearly a lot of talent behind sure. any of Wes Anderson's images, but it's not yes. what I go for. I don't. I think that right. you probably agree, right? I don't um, go for that either. And I, I just think it's not challenging in an interesting yes, way yeah. to me. Um, and so, so to bring it back to this, I mean, I, I, and so I, I'm agreeing with you. I think it's really interesting when you see, um, you know, uh, compositions that, that are more interesting and that are mm -hmm. sometimes more challenging and perhaps on like your kind of first knee jerk reaction might be, well, this is off balance or something, but then you're drawn into it and there's a story being told there that, that actually is in great balance. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, the, yeah, the, the one final point I'll make on that too is that it one of the things that I think is really great about living in this era of filmmaking um, is a movie like this shows you what you can do with digital tools um, mm -hmm. so and the one shot I'll use as, as an example is um, it's the opening scene of Casey Affleck's character Casey Affleck plays the the cop that's that's chasing Redford down right um, and it's a shot of a street I think it, I think it's in Dallas or something I can't remember what Texas City they shot it in and you mm -hmm. see Casey Affle Affleck's cruiser going down this like empty street in the middle of the night and of course you know those halogen lights don't exist anymore like no city uses those green or the halogen. like the mercury I think those yeah yeah the, whatever uh, they were sodium they, um, the sodium mercury lights. yes for, yeah they the used sodium in the vapor or whatever yeah 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 um, so no, no, nobody uses those lights anymore. I'm sure that there's somewhere in the world that might, but, but anywhere in North Probably America. Probably all LED now. Yeah. 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 And they're even, yeah, they're even beyond those orange ones. Um, yeah. but what they did was they took the, the grade in, um, you know, they didn't go and replace every light on that street with, with these, those sodium lights. They just right. shifted that color, qualified that color in, in the grade. And, and so it's like one of those things where you can really approach period stuff like that and period aesthetic especially because that's something that's really evocative of the 70s is those green sure street lamps absolutely um, and you can take that and you can again apply those to something that would be completely out of budget for for a lot of people so i think for the that average that's, person yeah, yeah. I, I and you know it's interesting too and, and um you know i'm curious I, have you worked on uh, any 16 millimeter, uh, well, I own a, I own a 16 millimeter camera, um, right. but I've only shot, uh, short little tests and experiments with it. I've never, um, cause I would I've be... worked on a film set with the, that I wasn't in charge of that was shooting on film, but that was 35. Right. Um, right. but I've never, I've never like shot a film on, uh, well, on but it, I mean, it would be very interesting, especially since you have a camera, maybe you could do some analysis. Um, at least I would be very interested and maybe some of the other listeners here might be interested in, uh, if you kind of created a, an emulation of 16 millimeter, it might be really mm -hmm. fun. I just don't, I, I know I think you've primarily worked on like 35 emulation. Right? Yeah. Different I've done films. 35, 70. I've done some 16, um, right. a Western that I did a few years ago I did sort of 16 okay very so actually got... inspired by this film um okay. but uh but yeah it's 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 very I mean it's again not to bog anything down on the technical but it's a very fascinating thing that it's has okay. a lot more people impact can fast forward I think um they can fast people... forward a second if they yeah it just has a lot more anyway. impact on the film than a lot of people realize usually because it's yeah, sort of a yeah. subconscious well, thing, and I right? think you know it's obviously you don't have to be nerds like us who uh, and, and there are people who are even much more uh technically um 
you know, uh, involved and would get even much more deeply technical than we are here. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to be on any of those levels, though, to watch the film and just be subconsciously impacted, you know, that Mm -hmm. it's invocative of an era. Um, And uh, that's all that's all that it is. You know, for them, it's it's just part of the storytelling and it works on a subconscious level and uh, boom. Um, But yeah, so I think both of us agree. I mean, it's just really a beautifully shot film. I think we touched a little bit on the performances um, uh, I, were there any, you know, for me, I think what really stood out, honestly, Sissy Spacek's performance really stands out to me. It was so fun mm-hmm. watching her, but I feel like everybody across the board, their performances are great. Tom Waits, his little monologue there about his stepfather, I think was really wonderful. Redford carries the film on his shoulders. And even I the think little bit this, parts of like the bank tellers and things like that, they're all it really, really cute. Great. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like very like endearing. He's clearly very charming. He has been his whole career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey Affleck is great, very subdued, um, and he's we've seen this from him in other performances. Um, but he's definitely uh, you know subdued here, but I think appropriately. There's also some humor there. The one thing I'd have to say. Um, is that I was really kind of disappointed that I didn't see more Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. When I realized mm-hmm. he was in the film, I was excited. Uh, I think he, we first there see him. He's uh, a driver for Redford's character when Redford is uh, scoping out uh, a bank that he's going to take or he's getting ready to walk in there and rob it. Um, but I really, we really don't see much from him. And I don't know if there was more shot, maybe that was like left on the cutting room floor, but... Mm-hmm we really see very, very little of him. And he absolutely can hold his own with all these other actors. And I, I guess I just really would have liked to have seen something from him. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, yeah, he's a great, like, I love Danny Glover too. And uh, yeah, again, that's kind of, again, my one complaint about the movie is that it's, there's not, <laughs> that there's not I mean, more I, to it. And um, I kept wait, I kept waiting. Yeah. Cause I was like, okay, now we've got the, the three of them are in the bar and we have Tom Waits telling his story. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, great. Now Glover's going to get to, you know, come in and have tell his us a moment, little bit. Yeah. Of, and, and we don't have it. I'm just like, no, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I mean, you know, basically the biggest moment we've got with Glover is that he, we get a sense that he maybe got caught and had to give Redford up. And so, uh, spoiler alert, when, you know, near the end of the film, when Redford comes to a meetup and uh, Danny Glover sitting on the porch and stands up. And as soon as he does, uh, all the, the police floodlights swarm come in. on and yeah. yeah, yeah, swarm in on him. So I guess we, you know, we didn't actually do a spoiler alert in the beginning here, but uh, I, think- I guess... People are probably used to us spoiling things. <laughs> People are probably used to it. I mean, you know, we don't usually do newer films. So I feel like whenever we're, you know, discussing a film that's 30, 40, 50 years old, 60 years old, we don't generally feel the need to give a spoiler, you know, alert warning mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like, well, come on. Um, I will say, though, if you haven't seen this and, and we did, you know, this is not a movie that is ruined by spoilers it's not not very tension heavy movie by any means so well and it's not plot it's not the plot is not what's this film is about at all yeah it's not about the plot and so yeah it would be a hard film to really spoil in that way Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean any other thoughts from you on performances um um i I, I mean i one i love the moment that i'll say one of my favorite moments of sissy spacex and this is when they walk out of the the jeweler store and yeah and then you know redford's trying to get her to steal this little bracelet that she has on and then you know she yeah. kind of gives him a pap and and they walk back in i think that's a great great little moment um but no There's i think yeah, across the moments. board it's it's really 
it's kind of again the other thing about the 70s aesthetic of the film is that like even the performances are quite not hammed up in a in a like cheesy way but they're Mm -hmm. it's almost it almost feels like they were specifically especially for those those extras looking for like character actors in a way that that could really land these you know kind of funny midwestern southern bank tellers you know (laughs) oh 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 my gosh okay so that that reminds me um and gosh i'm gonna this is gonna be bad because i might i i don't know his name right off the top of my head but help me with this Mm. i absolutely love this guy every time i see him in a film and i'll explain his character here so he was the kind of overset or you know heavier uh, bank manager yeah that we we have the scene where he's describing redford's character to the police who've come in right after the fact and he's like you know well he was he was 50 or 60 years old which by the way is hysterical yes (laughs) redford is 80 in this film in real life and i thought it was kind of literally to the point where i thought it was kind of an inside joke where Mm -hmm. it was like uh, I thought he was 50, maybe 60 when he's trying to describe the perp to the police, you know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Nobody in their right mind. Now, as handsome as Redford is, there is no way in hell somebody is going to mistake him for being 50 or maybe 60 years old. Yeah. No. But who is this actor? Because I love this he's guy. He's in uh, the old No Country for Old Men. He's the the. Uh, yes, he's the yeah. he's the um, the convenience clerk who yeah. ha- who does the coin flip. And his life is saved uh, mm-hmm. eventually by the coin flip. Um, and he's also apparently, I don't remember him in The Hateful Eight, but apparently he does have a, a role in The Hateful Eight as well. He's Sweet Dave, someone called Sweet Dave. Oh, well, Sweet, yes. Okay, I had forgotten about that. Uh, sweet Dave it was the one of the owners of the haberdashery, if I'm oh, not okay. mistaken. Right, right. Um, so that he's just in the flashback then. In that but case, he's right? just, in, right, because yeah. he's, well, spoil that film, but uh, yes, <laughs> something happens to him. Um, and I'm going to feel really horrible that I can't think of his name, but maybe while I keep it is Gene Jones, Gene Jones. Thank you so much. Well, I I thought he was great. And I think he typifies exactly what you were just talking about, which is Mm -hmm. these really great, uh, character actors and these supporting roles that also kind of continue to lend that theme of, you know, these great seventies characters kind of thing, seventies and and early eighties characters. Um, yeah. You know, there's one thing I want to talk, you know, before we kind of move on to, because I want to talk about the soundtrack too and the score. Um, but I, I, I want to bring up now because it was something that I, you know, it was really a, a significant part of my viewing experience here. And I want to talk to you, kind of see what your thinking is, is on it. So I, this kind of, especially two films in a row, this kind of trope, we see this all the time. Obviously, anti-heroes, we've, we get them a lot. That's obviously very much kind of a thing that came into vogue in the 60s and 70s, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in the 70s, it was like you couldn't have a regular hero. Like, everybody had to be an anti-hero practically yeah. in American yeah. 70s. With all the new Hollywood stuff and yeah. All the new Hollywoods, exactly. And so, and we see, you know, time after time after time, right, criminals being uh, turned into heroes, basically. And it's you. You watch this film, and you can see. I mean, it's this is like part of what the film is talking about, very explicitly. It's you've got this handsome, kind of gentle older man, um, and uh, he's concerned about everybody's. Like, well, he's not. You know, for the most part. Now, there are parts in the film where he does put people into harm's way a bit, right? And he is like putting people at gunpoint. 
Now, mm-hmm. we know he doesn't have any intention to, to hurt them, but I would imagine that in real life, if anybody put a gun to you, you'd be terrified. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, and the film goes way out of its way. It's like, if you notice, I mean, every single scene where he's robbing a bank, there's like a prominently displayed FDIC symbol in the background to kind mm-hmm. of remind the audience hey 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 he's not stealing from individual people don't worry it's fdic insured everything's mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. you know uh i i just kind of noticed that after like the second or third bank heist i noticed like okay it's not coincidence there's a big fdic sign in the background of every single one of these you know yeah bank robberies yeah bank robberies and so i mean if you, you know, can even f- call them that because i feel like if you haven't seen this movie and you hear the word bank robbery it's <laughs> it's it's conversational like it's really yeah. just yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. But 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 I guess it's like it's just interesting, you know, that we kind of and yes, it's a film. And I tend to look at these that films kind of metaphorically, right, symbolically, not literally. But there is also a literal aspect of the film. Like there's literally, well, just what's going on there. So mm-hmm. I think it's worth also discussing that aspect of it as well. But it's just kind of interesting, you know, it's like this, especially with the tone here. It's so lighthearted, and it's so clear the film wants us to to like this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And and empathize with him, obviously. And so it's just I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Um, about you know somebody who's just who's like this. He's addicted to stealing from people. He's like robbing people left and yeah, right, and he's done it. Like and he's done it his it. whole like life. It. it, it um... We've almost had kind of this running theme for the past three movies because we, you know, we did Titanic before uh, Drugstore Cowboy, and that uh-huh. obviously has not necessarily the theme of, of like crime, but the idea, you know, Jack's whole thing in that it's is like about, a rap scallion. He's yeah, like, it's this, like it's like yeah. I'm not going to live a normal life. I'm going to go and I'm going to yeah blah 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 wake up under a bridge and you know. um, right, right right and it's so poetic and, yeah. So I think that yeah, there's like a. I think people use the word romanticized in sort of a negative context a lot, but I think that it yeah. almost po- like I, I almost see it as a positive in this that it's this romanticization of you know, and I I don't think because of the fact that it's not not that movies can't be violent and not that movies can't feature bad people as their main characters, but yeah, you know, I the reason I say the romanticization of it isn't isn't uh, dangerous at all in this is because it's just it's so. I can't imagine anybody watching this movie with the tone that it has and the way that it approaches this subject matter and take anything other away from it other than like, man, this guy, this guy is, is just living his life, you know? It's, well, and it's almost and, like the, it's the inspiration to me or, or the thing that it makes me think about is, yeah, just do what you're good at. You know, it's, it's so, well, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I want to like, I'll, cause I'll, I'll, I'll kind of play a devil's advocate in a sense, mm-hmm. not on purpose, because this is this is like a genuine thought I had when I was watching it. And and I just want to preface this by it. You know, it's it can hold many different ideas about a film in your mind at the same time. So it's mm-hmm. not like um, like this is offensive or I was like triggered or something. Mm-hmm. But I, the one part of my experience, a part of it was was that having so I myself having been a victim of fraud of like mm-hmm. significant fraud in the past you, once you have an experience obviously this stands to reason in any with any kind of life experience once you've kind of had an experience that can alter your perception it kind of gives you a different a little different angle right a different lens that you also look through the film in so it's like on the one hand i see 
what the film wants me to see, which mm-hmm. is to empathize with this guy and to kind of see this as a metaphor um, and all these kind of things. But then on the other end, right, there's a little bit of something my experience in real life is working against that. And I'm like, this guy's a butthead. Mm-hmm. This guy is like his whole life. He's done nothing to contribute to society. He's just going around stealing stuff from people when he could be like, be, you know, be a positive <laughs> member of society. Is it worth it's it like, for the great story? And, and it's like, and it's like, I, it's like, I've been a victim. Oh, well, I think the, the, the interesting and, thing about that too, is that you, you really empathize with SpaceX's character as at least I did where it's yeah. like, it's kind of one of those situations where it's like, you can't stay mad at the guy. Like you can, yeah, he's, he's like a, he's well, like this a, is what a, I mean. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It's like, and I get it. I get all these things, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I totally see that and I understand that and all those things, but then it's also colored with this other thing. And so I'm just part of me. That's like, come on, Casey, get him, get him, Casey, get him. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'd like, you know, which is uh, again, why I think it makes it also very interesting that again, that arc that Casey Affleck has, that's a, you know, not to, hit the nail on the head too many times but that uh, that very much lines up with Pacino's arc in in um heat in which heat, is just yeah. yeah this idea that like they need each other you know there's this and even I, just I, I I don't know maybe maybe you felt differently about the ending too when he when he walks in the bank I was the just going to say I was just going like, to say you kind of cheer for him in a way I mean, well, I was at least kind of okay like, you know okay. I, I, okay so it's interesting <laughs> I don't know that I did right I right, don't yeah. know that I did Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Let's talk about that. So, you know, at the very end, you know, he's uh, he, he's caught again. He's caught once again. He goes to jail. And then we have this, like, kind of cute little montage where he's sharing with his girlfriend uh, all the times he's escaped. And basically mm-hmm. what he's telling her is, I'll be out soon. So just hang tight. Yeah, there's me. a 17 at the bottom and it's a yeah. blank. And he's like, yeah, and, this and one. she's like, and she's like, hey, why don't you just sit tight? Yeah. Do your sentence. Yeah. Uh, maybe you should stay put this time. And it's not bad advice. Now, slightly unrealistic, I think, if a guy had actually really committed this it's many 16. bank robberies, yeah. I don't escapes. think he would have been out so soon. But hey, it's yeah. a film. It seems like it's, it's like five years almost that go by. But <laughs> if, ev- if even, because I mean, yeah. geez, he's already so old. I mean, he's not got that many years to go, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes out the exact same way he looked, you know, looking looks wise. He comes out mm-hmm. the same way he went in. And uh, and I don't even recall if they actually have any kind of title card or any kind of like recognition of how there much is time's a passed. date uh, that I they can't give, recall. And I can't yeah. remember what it is. I've never really paid attention to the Me dates. Either. To, so, to, but you know. he comes out and they're together. And, you know, so we see that he didn't escape. OK, so we think, OK, maybe he's changed his tune for for to have this love in his life maybe he's you know and and yeah and so they're together and it's idyllic and they're on her you know she owns horses and she's on this farm or ranch or whatever it is and and it's beautiful and wonderful and we're like oh you know he's he's found this other thing in his life you know he's actually found this love Mm -hmm. and there was this part of me that when he you know he says hey i've got to go out She's asleep on the couch. He wakes her up a little and says, hey, honey, I'm, I'm going to go out. How long are you going to be gone? Not too long. And, and, and he leaves. And we have this really beautiful moment where, where she's like, 
you know, she's asleep, right? She's napping and then... And after he leaves, she kind of opens her eyes and we can see the gears turning in her mind, you know, like, uh uh-oh, uh-oh. She's like, okay. (laughs) And then then the last shot of the entire film is him walking into a bank with his briefcase that he always uses. Before that, though, it's an even... It's a great conversation between him and Casey where he calls oh, yeah, Casey yeah, Affleck, for and he's, and he's yeah. kind of like, it, it he's, almost he's seems game on. almost like the one of the darker moments of the movie, because you almost feel he like Casey Affleck thinks that he's going to have suicide or suicidal thoughts or something like that. Oh, and, I didn't think of and, that at all. It, well, because Affleck's kind of like, like, are you okay? And and then he's like, yeah, I will be. <laughs> like, I'm no, about to I mean, be. I, and he, I, he I completely, you know, my interpretation of that entirely was that it, it he, Redford is like, he wants the chase. He's like, it's oh, game yes, on. yes. Redford's he, side is definitely that. Yeah. And I didn't get a sense that, that Affleck character, geez, we keep using the actors' names and I feel so bad. You know, I don't, I didn't even really gather the names of these characters, frankly, because it's just not a film that's really like that so much. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, it's like the title says, it's like the old man and the gun. It doesn't say like Steve and the gun. You know, I yeah. mean, that's obviously yeah. not his character's name, but you get the point there. Um, but uh, I, 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 I don't know. You know, I, there was a part of me that was just like, oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. You know, I see, I almost took it as like... Uh, he's not giving up, damn it. You not know, he's even not that, going more quietly. so just, just like, hey, makes him happy. <laughs> like, you no, kind of see I, him. Like, and even, sure. even you know, he's when he's courting Sissy Spacek through the whole movie, he never stops talking. He's very charming. He's yeah. always got something to Kind. say. He's always making her laugh. And then you see after yeah. he gets out of prison, he just kind of meanders around quite silently and is aimless and doesn't know what he's doing. And, you know, this isn't an endorsement of of uh, of robbery, but um, I do I do kind of like the the um, that antihero ending. You know, you can't help but sort of yeah. fall in love with a, a character yeah. that's and, so and charming. I and of like, course, it's fiction. You know, it's not... Of, uh, of course, um, of course, and metaphorically, it's totally. It's like, hey, yeah, you know, yeah. he may be, he may be down, he, but he's not out. He may be old, but he's got to keep going. And you know, and I mean, and there are very explicit moments where he's like, you know, it's not about the money, you know, it's it's about like the life. It's about oh yeah, the, he doesn't have like a nice car and a big house. Well, and they and, show yeah. no, but they show he's got a he's got a crawl space full of cash. Yeah, and yeah. and they talk about you know how. He, he explicitly says it's not about money. It's about living. It's about mm-hmm. being alive. It's not, know, yeah, it's not about a, making a living. A way it's that, about just, I'm just a, talking about living. Yeah. Yes. I'm not talking about making a living. I'm talking about living. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that really speaks, you know, I think to the filmmaker, I, and, and my perception of it, you know, or at least what I see in that is, and of course it translates to everybody and anybody, but you have Redford at the twilight of his life and career and, and he's saying, look, it was never about the money it, yeah, or even yeah. fame or even any of these other things. It was about living, you know, well, perhaps that's, that's kind of purpose. what I, I guess I take away from it a lot too, is just that yeah. like I've, especially recently kind of lost a bit of a desire to be, you know, I used to want to be as a kid, like a studio filmmaker, you know, I wanted uh-huh. to be a, and I still, Spielberg. you know, someone like want to be like the, me, the kid if, wonder. Yeah. If someone, if someone offered me, you know, money to do it, and it fell into my lap obviously i wouldn't say no but but i also there's a side of me that's like you know i i kind of just wish that i could you know travel the world for the rest of my life and make small little movies that maybe a thousand people will watch and and that's yeah. it and and there's like a kind of a beauty to shaking off the confi- confines of like societal structure and and mm. just kind of going that route and, and uh 
Yeah. I think that that's kind of um, perhaps what what maybe touches me at the end of the movie in, in that sort of yeah, way. That, for and I think sure. that, yeah, I I'm sure that, that, yeah. that, uh, that it touches you in that sort of same way as well. And, and uh, um, but I, I think, yeah, there's, there's a, yeah, you can't kind of help, but, uh, Colin, don't go kinda... out and start robbing banks. Okay. Well, we'll don't see. Do we'll it. see. I've got to fund my next it. feature oh. somehow. So, <laughs> Oh, uh, I was just going to, I mean, like, look, look, you're going to be on record here in this podcast. I mean, you yeah, know. <laughs> I, gotta, I will ensure this a... never comes out this episode, but, but of course, I mean, and, and, and that is, I think, uh, like, uh, it's an admirable thing. I think a lot of films, uh, touch on that in various ways, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, uh, and, and it is kind of this interesting, you know, it's like, look, it's like, we're all, it's kind of like the scorpion and the frog. I mean, we're all scorpions in the sense that it's like, well, you, you do what we do. You you mm-hmm. have to do what you do. That's like, that's what life is. I, you know, mm-hmm. how can you be what you're not? How can you do what you aren't? It's like, um, and so you put yourself into it and you do it with the absolute best you can. And and at least in this, he's not hurting people. You know, he does it with, with grace and he does it with kindness so that you can at least say that. Um, and like I said, there's only a couple instances where he kind of puts, for example, and it almost seemed a little out of character. He's desperate and he carjacks basically, uh, a, a car. Um, yeah. With a, with a family or a, with a, with a woman mom and, and daughter. Her, son yeah. With a woman yeah. and her young son in it. Now, when he can see that there's this, cause I don't think he recognizes there's a young child in the back when he does recognize that he actually does at least let them go. He still takes their car. Uh, and that really is going to suck for them. Um, it's not exactly kind, but mm-hmm. at least, you know, he's not trying to like be maliciously, you know, hurting people. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least there's that, you know, you got to give the guy props. At least he's, you know, he's robbing FDI insured funds and exactly. not trying yeah. to hurt people. Just you know, like and, Pacino said, or uh, De Niro says, your, your money's insured by the guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, uh, I, I do also want to touch too on just very briefly on, uh, cause there's not a ton to it, but the score, um, Daniel oh, yes, let's score go back the to film, that. Um, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is I think very lighthearted and and matches the film it's kind of like a almost like a soft jazz score in a way and and like primarily pianos and, and well, a small string quartet it almost seems like and uh, i mean it was uh it was scored by uh by daniel hart who yeah, is yeah. from emporia kansas and not that i'm not from kansas but it's you know from the heartland from the midwest mm-hmm. so i feel like it's close you know it's it's a you know a boy makes good from from an area i'm i'm not too far away from so mm-hmm. Now yeah. I'm not too familiar with with his. I mean, I know that he's worked. He worked on the Green Knight, which is still on my list of films to see. And of course, that's another film by the same director and mm-hmm. P- Peter Pan and Wendy, which is a. I think a. Has that been released or is it soon to um, be released? I think it's. I think it's coming to. I don't know if it's going to be in very theaters soon. Or if it's a Disney Plus. Uh, I th- I, I'm not sure either. I know it's Disney Plus, and I'm not you know big on Disney live action. I think it's a live yeah. action Disney yeah. film. I'm not huge on those films. I don't keep up too much with it. Not that there's anything wrong with them, but I think its release date is like in a month or or something like that. But so obviously they they've been working. This is a, a duo that really enjoys working with each other, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's a really good match, which, which is kind of what you were just discussing there. I think it's a good a good match to the 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 style of this film and the uh the score seemed to really work well in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah and it's very charming you know i that that song that plays under uh that again that mute cue that you mentioned earlier of um 
of Redford Spacek in the diner mm. um, is is just it's just very charming. It's kind of the one. There's only really one like leitmotif in the whole score, and that's just kind of repeated throughout. And um, but it works because it's it's also a very montage heavy film. Uh-huh. Um, like there's a lot of montage in the movie and that's uh, true yeah and uh the, the score works really well for that there's also a few soundtracks i know jackson c frank's um blues run the game which is i think a really great song is playing when redford's kind of giving up at the end on the horse um ah uh, yeah yeah like the, so there's yeah and, and that's kind of what i mean when i talk about like the melancholy where it's almost also a positive yeah. melancholy though it's this this yeah, feeling that, like, even though you're melancholic, no, it's not the end of the world. You know what I would use? I, I Instead of melancholy, I would actually maybe, maybe bittersweet mm, is a slightly mm-hmm. better word to use. Because yeah. melancholy does have, like, a little bit of that, like, heavier undertone or kind yes, of down. Yeah. But this, I feel like, is more kind of bittersweet, mm-hmm. where where there's, with, with the emphasis on sweet, you know? Um, maybe that's maybe more of a feeling that I get from... From a lot of like, especially when you just described that scene um, and that song uh, where he's on the horse and he's kind of being surrounded by all the police in their cars. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this like beautiful like sunset. Um, he's kind of silhouetted on his horse. It almost feels more kind of bittersweet. Yeah, it's like he's like to... looking back on his career almost in a way. In that, yeah, you know, the time is and past. You can't relive it, but it's it's it right. still feels nice to have lived it in that sort of way. Like you can either. I think that's the thing. I mean, I'm not 80, but I feel like at that point you kind of have two choices and that's either to, to be smile really sad right. about the fact that you can't do that stuff again or to smile about the fact that it happened, right? Well, um, and it's and it's a really it's it's an interesting fun little thing I think they really hit on a few times, which is that, you know, it's like when he's arrested, he was arrested with a smile on his face or when yes, he was, yeah. you know, when when he held up the bank and the the cashier is kind of describing it, they were like it's so weird. He was like happy well, he was know. kind of polite <laughs> he was like happy you know yeah. it's like is yeah. does this picture represent what you saw and they were like well well kind of except he was happier you know so yeah, he was smiling yeah it, it is kind of like this optimistic you know it's like hey come what will come what may mm-hmm. i get arrested i'll find a way to break out i you know i'll do that it's like it's it's just kind of it's almost like a zen kind of exploration you know where it's just like, hey, whatever life has to give me, I'm just going to keep on living. And whatever yeah. that thing is, if there's an opportunity, I'll accept it. If there's, and you a, know you what, know, uh, too, is is that it, if this is, and it seems like it very well, well might be, if this is actually Robert Redford's kind of last leading role in a film, um, yeah, I think or it role was period, a really yeah. great one for him to go out on. Um, you could I do think, worse. I think more people should watch it because I think that this is a movie that I mention quite frequently that people haven't seen, let alone heard of. Um, and, uh, not for any particular reason. I think it just kind of, again, flew under the radar. I know 2018 was a pretty, I remember correctly, it was a pretty big year for movies. So likely just, again, flew under a lot of people's radars. It didn't have a super long theatrical release. Um, and it wasn't nominated for any awards. Um, but again, I would, I would heavily recommend it. It's not a big investment. It's an hour and a half. It's really easy watching. It's, um, you know, pretty easy to throw on and, I would I would wholeheartedly recommend it if you're a if you're a fan of of seventies film if you're a fan of Redford or if you just kind of want something to uh, it's kind of like you know it's a nice movie to watch in the afternoon if you think about it like a nice rainy day and you're just stuck inside. That's how I saw it. That's how I saw it, man. That's how we had some rain here again, and I yep I agree. And hey, you don't even have to be into any of those other things if you just want to watch a nice film. Exactly, Um, exactly, yeah. 
So I would agree. I'd recommend it too. It did fly under my radar and I'm grateful that you brought it to my attention and that I was able to watch it and enjoy a conversation about it with you here today. Mm -hmm. And on that note, kids, it's that time to say yes. goodbye. It's been we wonderful. We need a song. Calling. We need an exit song that you sing every time. <laughs> I could, I could try to do. Maybe, maybe I'll come up with one. You know, yeah. uh, I maybe I could steal something like "Now it's time to say so goodnight." Long, I could like steal one of the Beatles. Scene. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh, we're getting punchy, everybody. All right. Well, hey, we hope you enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for listening. We look mm -hmm. forward to next time when I get to pick the next film. <laughs> yeah. We shall All see. Right. All right, take care, everybody. Have a good couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Yeah, Boom.